Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're headed straight into Computex 2021 to do a recap of all of the exciting hardware that they teased this year. We're going to cover news from AMD, Intel, NVIDIA, and so much more. Then we're going to head to the camera corner where Wendy will discuss going macro. So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what have you been up to? Well, I've been up to quite a few things. However, they're not necessarily ready yet, so I can't talk about them yet. So this episode is uh, nothing. But next episode... That sounds like a lie. Wendy, whoa, 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 whoa. totally sounds I like a lie to so me. I have so much evidence that I will prove to you next episode. But right now, I don't want to prove it to you because then it would spoil the surprise. And here's the thing. Next episode, it probably won't be out of the box anyway. So maybe the episode after that... Good point. Yeah, good point. Okay, I'm not going to tell you exactly what's going to happen, I, but I will tell you it will not be in a box. Well, probably not. I don't know. Might be. <laughs> but uh, all I'm going to say is two words, two words to Ryan, and he will understand completely. And I don't think we ever talked about it on this show before, but you'll understand as soon as I say it based on the conversations we had on Destination Links, and that is Tech Santa. Oh, Okay. Well, that there we go. be interesting. That'll be very interesting. All right. Why does Ryan get to know and I'm out in the dark? <laughs> like, what's well, going ev- on Well, everybody, here? okay. So Tech Santa is a person who is from our, my local Linux user group. And a while back, there was I was like complaining about my renders taking long. And, and he decided to upgrade his hardware. So he said something like, he just like, hey, do you want to have uh, my old spare CPU? And I was like, oh, that'd be great. I didn't know what it was at the time, and then he said it's a twenty seven hundred X. Yeah, they, yeah, I do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he gave it to me. I remember that story. I just didn't know that you called him Tech Santa. Well, yeah. Ryan uh, gave him the moniker of Tech Santa, and he's okay with it. So I guess we're going with it. <laughs> Sweet. So Wendy, he, even though you don't have a Tech Santa and I don't have a Tech Santa, I'm sure you have some <laughs> hardware that you want to talk about this week. I do. Actually, I have some old hardware that I want to talk about. One of my favorite lenses, it is a 100 millimeter macro lens. It's an old one, Nikkor, and the focus on it is really stiff. So it doesn't focus smoothly anymore. And I've started doing research on how to take it apart and I can re-grease it myself. This is one of those things that I'm going to have to start gathering some tools for, making sure I've got all the right stuff before I tackle this. A while ago, I had it priced at a shop for them to take it apart and redo it. And it was like, oh my gosh, I could buy a new used one for the same price as it would cost to have them work on this lens. So I'm going to attempt to fix it myself We'll see how the continued research goes and how gathering parts goes, but I can't wait to have this lens fully functional again. Not as exciting as Michael's, but 
maybe more exciting than yours? Oh, yeah, definitely more than exciting than Ryan's because Ryan doesn't ever do anything for the show. Never. I mean, he's a hardware guy. He, he claims to be a hardware guy, but I mean, psh, 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 He never has new hardware. Well, I did get some new hardware in just today. In fact, I got myself a Hack 5 field kit. Now, for those not familiar with what Hack 5 is, they're a company that actually makes pen testing equipment, non-nefarious, although it could be used nefarious, pen testing. This is just to make sure that your network is solid. That's that's all. That's what it is. Well, we have Wi-Fi pineapple, I assume. Comes with, of course, the Mark 7 pineapple, which is an amazing little device um, that allows you to basically have rogue access to various Wi-Fi points and spoof Wi-Fi points. It also comes with a bunch of other devices that you can do crazy things like key injection or basically monitoring traffic going across a landline and all of these different plugins. And the whole idea behind this kit is not to be used for nefarious purposes, but in fact, to do testing and figure out how these things run and are worked and understand how they can uh, be implemented basically out in the field so that you can protect yourself against them. And I'm sure pen testers, in fact, I know like Bo Weaver, who's been on Destination Linux, actually utilize some of this equipment, um, but they're hired by companies, of course, to use it. And somebody could nefariously use it, but that's not its purpose, right? That's not why it's sold. It's sold so that people can uh, understand how these attacks take place in ways that they can secure their networks and, of course, keep hackers out of their system. So it's a very expensive little kit. I think it ran somewhere around $300 worth of little devices here. And what I plan to do with it is to have Bo Weaver come over and we're actually going to be implementing this field test kit. He's going to be showing me all the ins and outs of all of the various devices that come inside it. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's also that's a really good way of of like learning it is to have have someone who already knows exactly what to do with it just show you. <laughs> exactly, because you know this tip. is such a professional <laughs> suite of equipment that if I'm sitting there on a YouTube video trying like, hey, this thing does this, somebody's just gonna be like, look, you idiot. Of course it does that, <laughs> but this is what it's really meant for. But with Bo around, I'll feel better. But if I can't get Bo, then you're gonna get the idiot video. So you know, there's always I'll that help, and then we'll have well. two idiots. Yeah, two idiots. Helping. That'll be glorious. I do want to see that. Can we have that one, please, please? Yes, the, the two be idiots a bonus. review a Hack 5 kit. <laughs> yeah. That'll be that'll the, be the bonus. The, the bonus video, yeah. Yeah. I also received an email. It says, hey, folks, just listen to episode 35 talking about GPU supply. I have not purchased a GPU recently, but I did get an Xbox Series S, which is seeing the same kind of shortages. I used nowinstock.net to keep track. You can do text reminders if you use certain carriers. They also have Telegram alert system as well. You can find Twitter accounts and do notifications at PS5 Stock Notified. Does alerts for GPUs, PS5s, and Xboxes. I also noticed the Windows Central Twitter account does stock alerts as well. You might find others. Just want to drop this info on what I did to get my Xbox. Love the show. Keep up the great work, Freddie. So, Freddie, thank you for sending that tip in. I know everybody's trying desperately to get a hold of some of the new uh, GPUs out there, as well as trying to get a hold of some of the consoles that have been out for how long now? Like over six months, well over six months. And we Mm -hmm. still have shortages here with any of them. So definitely, in addition to a lot of the tips we gave in episode 35, you can check out this tip as well from Freddie. So thank you for sending that in. 
This episode of Hard Radics is brought to you by DigitalOcean, DigitalOcean and their app platform. This app platform is a service that helps you build modern cloud-native apps. With the app platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. You simply point your GitHub or GitLab repository to the app platform and let it handle all of the heavy lifting. It has support for many programming languages like Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, and more. Plus, it also has support for static sites, Docker, and container images. With the app platform, you also get high scalability and zero infrastructure management. What does that mean? Well, like I said, you can connect your GitHub or GitLab repository, and it will do all the heavy lifting, which means the it'll handle the infrastructure, like the app runtimes and the dependencies, so you can push code to production in just a few clicks. You can run code with little to no customization also because the app platform uses open cloud native standards, automatically analyzes your code, creates containers for your code, and runs them on Kubernetes clusters. And you get all of this on the app platform and you can it's, it starts at just $5 per month, but you can actually get started for free because as a listener of the Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started with a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100, yes, $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's app platform. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. This year, we had the biggest computing conference ever, Computex 2021. It's considered the biggest, but it was online. And I don't know about you all, but these online conferences are not as exciting as the in-person. Even though most of the time I wasn't in person at the other conferences, it just doesn't feel the same. The energy's not there. Am I alone there? The people being there and that physical excitement definitely helps the presenters in their excitement. There's this feedback loop that mm -hmm. right now is missing. Or even hearing the audience boo sometimes when dumb things are set up there. That could, that kind of drives, I think, some energy throughout these conferences that That's are missing. That's fun in itself, yeah. And exactly. actually, I think there's a little bit of it, like the stuff is pre-recorded, so it just feels robotic too, you know? Yes. Absolutely. But we wanted to still cover some of the key highlights is this could set the tone for some of the hardware changes we're going to see coming in the future here. And the first thing I want to touch on is, of course, Intel, because they launched a pair of new U-series chips. You get the Intel Core i5-1155G7 and the Core i7-1195G7. Now, when we talk about excitement with the virtual conferences, I also think there can be excitement in how you name products. And <laughs> Intel seriously needs to change the naming scheme of their products. When you've got yeah. things like Threadripper and Ryzen, and then they're like, hey, we've got the 1155G7. Like, what? Come on. <laughs> and then, it doesn't make and you then go, you, woo! Yeah. <laughs> and then you want the more powerful 1195G7. The only, we, we can tell that it's better because the number's larger, I guess. But, you know, it'd be nice if they had something that, really identified it and it's also i think that's a that's a tech problem in general not many tech companies are good at naming stuff at least not in the product sense like the services are fairly named well most of the time but the products for some reason they just we just have to have some kind of alpha alphanumeric hodgepodge of nonsense and it, i think what they do is they go to like their keyboard and just randomly slam on it and then boom that's enough that's the new product name. I feel like I'm buying a printer, not a CPU when I see these names. But it's still pretty nice chips here that we're going to talk about. Acer, Asus, HP have been announced as some of the first hardware vendors to offer 
these chips in their laptops. And the exciting part is the i7 could be cranked all the way to five gigahertz. This is on a mobile laptop chip here while still maintaining a much lower power consumption relative, of course, to other i7 chips. And the i5 that they're releasing here is also exciting because this is the most powerful i5 offered by Intel. And Intel claims that it can top the Ryzen 5800U in performance for both gaming and content creation. So that's a big deal. And while this is impressive for Intel and it shows that they're able to kind of continue to crank out some faster chips, I think everyone's still waiting on that Intel's 12th generation Alder Lake processors because those are going to bring a lot more innovation. They're just kind of have some offerings here to show that they're still in the game, sort of. But I don't know that you really had anybody kind of jumping up and down on this news alone. But it's still cool. They cranked out some more power up to five gigahertz on a mobile chip. And if you got one of these in your laptop, you're probably going to have a really good time. So that yeah. was kind of Intel's offering. But the thing about Intel with this kind of stuff, I, every time I, they make an announcement, I want them to blow my mind because they used to be like the quintessential company to get the best hardware. And it seems like for the past six years or so, they've been just kind of going along, like doing the motions and that sort of stuff. I want them to blow my mind and create more competition so that we have better products all around. But, you know, this one doesn't really do that for me. Yeah, I think they're getting there. It's going to take them some time, especially with the shift in who is running the company. We have the potential for there to be some mind blowing stuff. Unfortunately, it's just not going to be right now. And I think this is a terrible time for Intel to be dealing with the issues that they're dealing with in fabrication because of the fact that there's shortages all around already. And that's going to make getting exciting about getting excited about some of these things even more difficult. But AMD, on the other hand, they had some pretty exciting things take place. They got a partnership with Tesla. So they will now power the infotainment system in the new Model S and X. So why does that matter? Well, it means that you can actually start doing AAA gaming in your car, hopefully while you're not driving. <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. could do AAA gaming in your car, in your Model S or Model X. And I think that's a pretty exciting thing when you think about your third screen, right? You've got your television, then you've got uh, your computer and your phone. You're kind of adding a fourth screen in here with your car now that you could be basically utilizing for not only gaming, but doing your regular day work. How do you have a traditional kids are bored on the road trip if you can play AAA games in the car? I mean, that's true. On. Those kids will never experience what it's like to like try to pass under those street lamps with a Game Boy that didn't have a light, <laughs> you know, so yes. that you could finally see what your character was doing. That built character. Built lots of character. I, that's so hilarious because that, that ha that's the exact experience I have, and I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In addition, AMD also unveiled laptop versions of its Radeon RX 6000 series graphics cards, which aim to take on NVIDIA's mobile RTX 30 series GPUs out there. The claim is that they're getting 1.5 times the performance of the original RDNA chips and 43% less power consumption. The high-end AMD RX 6800M will come with 12 gigabytes of GDR6 memory and 145 watt TDP. And the company promises some very impressive results with this mobile GPU. And I think this is actually a bigger deal than it sounds like because 
nobody can get their hands on GPUs for the most part for the desktop. And I know a lot of people who have been settling for either pre-built desktop computers that are built from companies like CyberPower or whatever out there, or getting gaming laptops because you can still get those with some graphics chips in there. And AMD focusing on that realm right now, not a bad idea. That is definitely a positive. And I would love to have I would love to get my hands on a 100% AMD laptop. I know I've been saying this for a long time, well, since the show started, but seeing stuff like this, the power that you can have in a machine like that, that really makes for a fully portable workstation. If you're going on trips now that things are starting to loosen up with COVID and stuff and people will be taking trips, having a gaming laptop with you allows you to take your favorite hobby on the road with you. So I think this is a good move on AMD's part to really amp up the GPUs inside of their laptops. But there was another thing that really blew me away. AMD kind of had a big bomb that a lot of people weren't listening to, and that is their 3D V-Cache. I think it's the most exciting announcement of the entire conference. Hmm. And basically, it's AMD's stacked 3D V-Cache chiplet. So they're partnered with TSMC. totally explains it to me. Yeah, of course, right? They're partnered with TSMC, and they created a vertical cache addition for its high-end processors. So you know the old rule, if you can't build out, build up. So they can now stack more L3 cache on top of the compute chiplets. Now, Michael, I know from prior hardware addicts, you know one of the things that has been a big deal with Ryzen is the amount of cache that they can include on that 7 nanometer architecture. Well, with this 3D V cache, they're now able to add even more cache into the picture because they're building up instead of just building outwards to put the chips in there. See, that's that's an example of blowing my mind with stuff. Like, this is a thing that I always, I already thought that AMD's cache was massive in comparison to the, other, to the alternatives, right? And now they're making it more than, they're competing with themselves. And I think that that's, not necessarily a good thing for the market to have a, com- a a powerhouse competing with itself because that always ends badly. But in the case right now, it seems like AMD's still gonna is still trying to outdo themselves anyway, which is great to see for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think from AMD's standpoint, they need to get as far ahead as possible before Intel catches up with some of their fabrication, and and this is a great way of implementing some of the new technology there. And to tell you what this does in the real world, they took a Ryzen 9 5900X with the standard 64 megabytes of total L3 cache, which is a lot of cache, and boosted that to 192 megabytes. So from 64 to 192 using the 3D V cache, which it resulted just in gaming here. We're just going to talk about gaming, but obviously this would have impacts across the board for rendering and, and, and cinematics and other things. Dota 2 plus 18%, Gears 5, plus 12% performance, Monster Hunter World, plus 25% performance, Fortnite, plus 17% performance. So this is not a small feat or a small accomplishment. This is a really big deal. And this ability to build up like they're doing, I think could even become more powerful as they perfect it. Even more so if they take this from their CPUs and start using it on their GPUs. That's a really good point there, Wendy, that they could take the same technology and apply it to their GPUs and we could see some increased performance there. Of course, nobody can get their hands on one, so it's hard to get excited. But yeah, 
maybe one day we'd be able to see it. Also in the Computex conference, you have NVIDIA and Valve will be bringing DLSS to Proton, which will enable the system in Windows games played on Linux. This could have drastic performance benefits for Windows only games to be played on Linux with hopefully very impressive results there. Nice. So I thought that was a pretty cool showing from NVIDIA. Yeah, that is awesome. NVIDIA is not known to be the most um, collaborative company when it comes to the Linux users. And it's really nice to see that they're putting in a lot more effort. And I would assume it's because Valve is helping that happen, which is another reason why I love Valve, because uh, they've been doing the, the whole Proton thing and working with the community to make this stuff happen. Because I, as a Linux user myself, I have certain types of games that I wanted to play. And there was this one game that was on Linux and they was bought out by a the awful company that I just I will rename nameless because Epic Games is awful. And, he, and they and they took the game and took it off of, of Linux and that annoyed me. But thanks to Proton, I can still play it because Valve made it possible to play these Windows games. So NVIDIA and Valve doing this whole collaboration of DLSS to bring it in. I was very excited to see that. Well, not only that, but I think this could be a precursor to their portable gaming system they have coming out. Some of this partnership oh, yeah. with NVIDIA and Valve. So, the Steam Pal. Oh, there you go. Yes. Yeah, we also talked about that on one of the past versions of DL and Extend. And this specifically is, okay, maybe Valve is bringing NVIDIA into this, whatever this device will be. It could potentially have NVIDIA graphics inside. I was also thinking NVIDIA has their own kind of play service. What is it called? GeForce Now or GeForce, GeForce Play Now. or something along GeForce those. GeForce Now, I believe. GeForce Now. So imagine a partnership with GeForce Now, which ran into a lot of issues, as I understand it, with licensing and things to be able to stream those games, partnering with Steam, who we know has the licenses for these games and the partnership that could create with them in a portable gaming device. There's so much potential there. I just love the idea of these two companies meeting up. For sure. um, NVIDIA also shut off two new graphics cards. Again, very hard to get excited about. Normally, this would be a show all on its own, but who can get them? They have an RTX 3080 Ti at $1,200 MSRP. It's probably like eight grand on eBay right now. And the most or more affordable RTX 3070 Ti. So you're basically getting Ti versions of the 30 series graphics cards that nobody can get. But now there's Ti versions of those cards that nobody can get. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and hopefully you didn't get too comfortable with your DDR4 memory as DDR5 gaming modules were announced and are now set to launch in the third quarter. So if you just upgraded your system to DDR4 memory, guess what? It's time for DDR5 now. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> if you this can get any. This is another one of those things that, yeah, if you can get your hands on it, that's super exciting. We do have some time, just like when we went from DDR3 to DDR4 as a transition possibilities. But as always, I'd love to be hands-on with this and see a side-by-side -side comparison between the two. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting. It's coming in the third quarter of 2021, and you can get eight 16 or 32 gigabyte sticks from XPG, ranging from 6,000 to 7,400 megahertz. So this will be very interesting. It's a big speed boost to see what kind of performance they're going to get out of there. And Wendy, to your delight, you can pick these sticks with or without RGB. I know you're going with RGB, but 
for those who want without RGB, you have that option too. I thought that Say was nice. Say no from... to rainbow vomit. Say no to rainbow vomit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand that some people don't have that don't enjoy the illumination that is offered by the RGB. Uh, but I, I for one, am very, very happy for the rainbow vomit option to be there. There you go. <laughs> I hope they make it like they they listen to the show and they just put it like a little tag and it says rainbow vomit. Like it's just like a little a, a label on the box at some point. That'd be great. I know. Brought to you by Wendy. <laughs> we also had Azrock with two new motherboard releases out there. One I thought was interesting. It was utilizing a fanless chipset thanks to AMD's lower power consumption, as well as having 2.5 gigabyte a second networking Intel killer included and graphic card holder accessories, but it's fanless. So there's no additional fans on this X570 here. Uh, again, due to that low power consumption that AMD has been able to achieve, which I thought was neat. And they released a new thin mini ITX motherboard, if you're interested in that, which has Ryzen 4000 APU support. But Sabrent launched something that I thought was interesting. Now, I love my Sabrent NVMe M2 drives. They're some of my favorite drives I've had. The 4.0 especially is insane. But ripping off AMD a little bit here, they call it the Plot Ripper. And this is an SSD designed for mining Chia coin or anything else, huh. but specializes. I mean, you could use it for other stuff, but it specializes in mining Chia coin. And the whole idea behind this is it's got 18 times better endurance because you know how mining can wear equipment out. So when you're mining on your SSD, you won't wear it out too fast. You can get it in one terabyte or two terabyte versions. But I had no idea. I'm in the cryptocurrency. I had no idea what Chia coin is or that you could mine it with an SSD drive. And is that even efficient? What is happening, Sabrent? Does it sing ch 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 chia <laughs> Yeah, well, every time throw every get, grass field on it. <laughs> no, see, it's Chia coin. So every time you get a new coin, it's complete. It goes ch 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 ching. Wow. Like that's dang it, that's, Michael. That dang I'm, it. I didn't start this dad joke uh, plethora that Sabrent did it. But yeah, exactly. This actually is cool because the crypto stuff, like I've been looking into the technology a lot and how it all works and that sort of stuff. And different types of coins work with different types of mining. There's mining that happens on the computational level. There's mining that happens on the GPU level. There's there's mining that happens on the hard, hard drives. There's multiple different types of crypto that do that now. There's even some like JavaScript miner stuff and all sorts of stuff. There's even like these new, like crazy ones that are, Every time a transaction is made and a certain part of the mining happens, it's it's there's a lot of different possibilities for the GPUs to continue to not be available. Yeah, well, Chia is a cryptocurrency. I looked this up because I was just fascinated. Intended to be a green alternative to Bitcoin uh, and instead has caused a global shortage of hard disks. Yeah. So I guess that's the next thing. And Chia instead uses a proof of space approach that ditches these calculations and relies on empty hard disk space. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, wow. there's a there's a couple of those. Uh, there's the next Ethereum is supposed to also be a proof of space. And there's also other ones that are kind of it's it's because you have more uh, available space with hard drives and that sort of stuff. And SSDs are now huge now so that you can kind of do it. So it's it. Essentially, every time a new coin technology comes out, some other piece of hardware gets a 
I know. Can these people just stop? Can you just leave our hardware alone? Like, go make a make a empty tin can or like recyclable stuff into mining coins or something. Leave the computers alone. There's there's a there's 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 other reasons of why this all happens. I think it's just these these crypto things are just escalating the problem, like you know, exacerbating it, and then. We have these new different things. They're like, well, this is way more green approach to crypto. And it's like, yeah, and it makes other things unavailable. So how is it green? Just stop it. Well, if you see a SSD and you think any time in the next 10 years, you might want to upgrade. You might want to grab it now before Chia becomes a big thing and yeah. wipes all the storage off the and shelves. And the other that- ones that are space-based are not as popular yet. But, you know, just give it a little bit of time and it will be. It's coming. All right. So that's my complete coverage of the Computex, at least the items that I found interesting at Computex 2021. Out of all these stories that we covered, I'll start with you, Wendy. What was the most interesting one to you? Mm, It's really really hard to pick. I would definitely have to say what AMD is doing with the mobile GPUs and how that might change laptops in general. So basically, AMD being able to put very powerful CPUs and GPUs inside of a mobile unit, bringing laptop gaming, full gaming capabilities into a laptop, something very appealing to you. Yes, you said it way better than I did. So high five. Air we'll high go that five. way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. No, I, I like that. I think everybody has been wanting to get their hands on more AMD laptops. So I agree. That's pretty exciting. Michael, what was the most exciting thing for you? I mean, I agree in general that the AMD stuff is exciting, but for me, the most exciting thing is the NVIDIA valve uh, partnership that they announced because I, I, I want that steam pile to exist. I think that sounds fantastic. And also the, the effort that NVIDIA is doing with the collaboration aspects with valve, just, I'm super excited about that part. I can't disagree. There's a lot of excitement possibilities there having NVIDIA team up with Valve, and I hope that continues. For me, it was definitely the AMD 3D V-Cache. I think that is going to be super exciting and kind of pave the way for the next round of CPUs that we're seeing. But overall, not a terrible conference. I can't wait till everything returns in person and we can get some of that energy from the crowd. But until then, we can at least get some energy because we're about to head into the camera corner. But first... We got to talk about Bitwarden. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications, such as master passwords, adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use and trust. I even recently set my data up with Bitwarden. You can self-host it, and there are security audits where they share all of that information with you. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Want to support Bitwarden? That's just $10 per year. What do you get with that? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage. Two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo. Vault health reports, TOTP authenticator storage and generation, plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. 
If you're like me, though, you'll want to support this open source software with your appreciation by signing up for the premium edition, especially since it starts at just $10 per year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, Wendy, take us into the camera corner and tell us about going macro. Last time we talked about the reverse lens technique, which is really cool. But say you have done that, you loved it, and you want a real macro lens, or you just rather start with macro from the very beginning. What's one of the things that makes a macro lens different than a traditional lens? One of those is you have a shorter focal distance. Okay, in normal terms, it means you can get closer and still be in focus. Now, different lenses have different values in which you can get closer. Say on the side of your lens, it has one-to-one. That means the image that is projected onto your sensor is the actual size of that thing. If it is a one-to-two, then the image that is projected onto your sensor is half of its actual size. You can even find lenses that magnify So a five to one lens would be a magnification of five times. Some of these are really cool. The more magnification you get, the more expensive it gets. So you'll want to take a look as to what does the lens do that you are looking at. What is the downside of being able to get closer to your subject matter? Well, it means you have a shallower depth of field or that space that is in focus on your subject is a lot smaller. And this is where things like focus stacking comes in. I will be dropping a few pictures into the discourse form as to macro pictures that I've recently taken. One of them, we had this adorable little frog sitting on the raspberry leaf in the front yard. I got a picture of the frog and my husband got a picture of me taking a picture of the frog. (laughs) I'll put both side by side. Nice. So you can see the difference between the actual size and what it looked like from his angle. I think those are always really fun. I love it. I love behind the scenes images because the shot itself is always really cool. But how did you get it? And this is one of those. What did it look like when I was getting the shot? I think that the the behind the scenes stuff is really interesting. It's one of the cool things about like all this, the, the movies and stuff and the TV shows, I really like watching the behind the scenes stuff, like how it all works, the special effects and all that kind of thing. So it's having those that option to see like the difference between how close you are to get that angle is, I think, going to be very cool to see. Yeah, they're definitely super fun. And another stacking image I'll share is a piece of jewelry that I took. This one, it was a couple of years ago. I was doing some classwork with my mentor and we needed to shoot some jewelry. So while it's probably not the best jewelry shot in the world, keep in mind that I was doing this picture in the actual jewelry store. So it was with extremely little room and not much to move my different devices around. So considering that, it's all right, but I will share that stack with you and maybe even a screenshot of what that stack looks like in GIMP for me. As you go up in lens quality, you'll notice that the center is in sharp focus and stuff around the sides is also in really sharp focus. 
Now, when you're taking a macro lens, they already need to account for some of this, and it's called flat field focus. If you've seen a lens, they have some curvature to them, and that definitely causes that distortion of sharpness. I do like some of these older lenses. They can be a little bit softer around the sides. You can find cheaper, newer macro lenses, and that's one of the things you'll need to be paying attention to. There are different websites out there where you can see samples of what these images look like. So what do you think, guys? Are you ready for a macro lens? I think I have a macro lens on my camera now. Is that possible on the Sony? Did it come with a macro lens? They typically don't come with a macro lens. What makes you think it's macro? Well, it's really small, the, the lens itself. And that reminds me of, that's the only reason of macro lenses is generally they don't have that <laughs> long base to them that a typical lens has. And it really depends on what the focal length of the lens is. So I have two in front of me. One is a 50 millimeter macro lens and the other one is a 100 millimeter macro lens. The 100 is, of course, way longer than the 50 just because of the focal length difference of the lens itself. All right, we're going to play a game, Wendy. We're going to see how really good you are at identifying a lens based on a moron of cameras trying to translate <laughs> to you what I see on the lens. All right, let's see if you can guess what kind of lens I actually have. It says okay. E 3.5-5.6 slash PZ 16 to 50 OSS. Can I guess? Yes. You have a kit lens. Yeah. Is that what it is? You like, do. Oh, I did it. Well, it is a kit lens, but that's not necessarily descriptive of the lens itself. There's all different kinds of lenses that can be kit lenses. My uh, camera came I didn't with do it. two different <laughs> kit lenses. So E, that first part that you gave, says it is an E mount. That is the mount that that lens and camera body use. Very important. Then the next numbers you gave, you want to give those again, because I didn't write it down. 3.5-5.6 slash PZ. So that right there is telling you how wide your aperture can get. And so from widest angle, that's your 3.5. So that is the aperture setting there. And when you are zoomed in the most, that's where you are at the 6, whatever it was. So it means that 5. you're letting 6. in less yeah. light as you are zoomed all the way in. But that's showing your aperture range from the widest to the narrowest that that lens will do. And the 16 to 50 OSS? The focal lengths that that lens will do. Nice. So this is not a macro lens. No. That is not a macro lens. Typically, when it is a macro lens, it'll say around it somewhere as part of those numbers that it is macro. Now, is a macro lens something people would typically use for videoing, say, on a video podcast or things like that? It depends on what you're wanting to do. Yeah, some people could use one for video. I've used macro lenses a lot for taking pictures of not just small things, but food and lifestyle shots because I really mm. like that in tight, close look. And one of the things that macro lenses allow me to do is I can set up the shot pretty much however I want to. And I don't have to worry about, oh, dang it, that lens won't focus because I am too close. 
that's my preference for macro lenses. I use them almost exclusively for all kinds of different things just because I like to be in tight and close in my shot setups. Very nice. When I was guessing the the lens, I, I'll take like a small, small five point credit on that one. But I, I took uh, the reason, only reason I had a guess that that's the kind of lens is the 16 and 50 part because I'm pretty sure my lens is the same. I don't know the rest of the numbers. You get no five points. You get but, no 10 <laughs> points. You get no, no, nothing. Do, but do I, do I at least get to pass go? Maybe. Okay. Uh, I'll take it. Jail. I'll take Wait. No. Next week. Yeah. Okay. Next week. Cool. Well, Wendy, thank you for covering going macro in the camera corner. And thank all of you for listening. Cause that's it. Our 38th episode of hardware addicts is a wrap. And we want to thank all of you for listening to the show that brings you your biweekly tech fix. If you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux network. Head to destinationlinux.network to check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners. There's so much there to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for another stacked 3D Vcash episode of Hardware Addicts, where we use our macro lens to take a closer look at all the great hardware that might someday be available. True. So sad, but true. <laughs>